0: All right, beautiful humans. Welcome back to another episode of Naked Sunday. I am your host, Caleb Nelson. Thank you for joining me today. And today, oh, today, today we're talking about scaling for life,
1: AKA how
0: to get results without blowing up your life. I think that this episode is coming at a really prudent time because right now we're going through the holiday season and this is often in a time of disarray with tons of people getting pulled in all kinds of directions uh, at three conversations with different clients just today talking about mom guilt and feeling that like they're just trying to keep up with everybody, let alone everybody trying to keep their businesses growing at the same time. But still wanting to spend all that quality time with family
1: and just not knowing where to go.
0: So today I'm introducing this concept, introducing, listen to me. I'm going to be pontificating, shall we say, on this concept of meeting people where they're at. This is a really important tool in coaching. The keyword or the Short word. The short term for that is scaling. Hence, the name of the title of this uh, this podcast episode: "Scaling for Life." When it comes to meeting people, they're at you got to understand where somebody stands from because if there's too big of a gap, say they're you're both standing on one side of a bridge, and or you're on one side of the bridge, and they're on the other. If the bridge is three miles long, them just taking that leap of faith. Well, it's obviously three miles apart. Like it's too far for them to like grasp, like, can I make it? But if the gap is only a foot long, a foot wide, they feel a lot more confident about taking that step. So as you're about to challenge people and influence people in the direction of growth, and especially what I would hope you start thinking about here is long-term sustainable growth, because ultimately it's not what you make, it's what you keep, or it's not how much weight you lose, it's how you keep it off. Similar ideas. It's not whether you get married, it's whether you can stay married, those types of things. Can you get into a happy relationship and stay in a happy relationship? Fulfilling is a better word than happy, but neither here nor there. So where did this come from? Well, this was originally inspired by me being at the gym this morning and I was just talking with another person in the, in the gym and, um, I was talking about how I was just coming off a little back injury and, uh, still slowly getting back into it. I modified my workout. There was a squatting pattern movement that was too heavy for me. And the way it was set up, I, I just two feet underneath me, I needed to go into more of a lunging, a one step, like a one-legged position, still a squatting stimulus strengthens my legs, but I just couldn't do it because I was worried about getting hurt. So what are we talking about here? Let's, let's use the habit approach because everything in this is all about habits. And uh, I'm a big proponent of cognitive behavioral therapy using behavior, i.e. habit to influence one's mind mindset. We can call it that therapy. Well, it's a process. So another way to talk about meeting people where they're at or scaling is dosing. When you're choosing the appropriate dose for somebody, I think about going to the doctor's office, they're not gonna say, here's a bunch of pills, take all of them. Maybe they will. They're gonna say, take one with dinner. It's matching it up with, where, with something you're already doing and you're telling exactly how much. The goal here being is you're trying to take enough of that dose of that stimulus to facilitate some, tor- some sort of change but not so much that they would overwhelm. And ultimately we wanna base this on, again, I go back to that bridge approach, the confidence level of the consumer, the person
1: you're looking to influence.
0: Bad dosing, let's talk about bad dosing because it might be easier for people to think about it in this regard. Bad dosing, I don't even like the word bad, but. Inappropriate dosing in terms of achieving long term sustainable success, which is long term sustainable habit change, where people don't even think about it, it becomes a lifestyle. Is the notion of the crash diet, and it goes in all places in life in your business, in your health, and in your relationships. It's the idea of if one is good, a thousand are better. So let's do it all right now. You could hear the all or nothing approach. That's another way you might hear it. The perfect, it needs to be perfect. So you'll see somebody get caught up in their dogmas. This is the way and the only way. And while it theoretically might be right, it might just be too much for somebody to digest in one sense, pun intended. So again, with the health approach, let's think about the crash diet. The crash diet is all these perfectly laid out. Maybe have all these different macros and it has to be all this different food prepped and it has to be all the, and the, the, the you know, I'm gonna work out these this time, this time, this time, five hours a day. And here's the perfect little program that I'm gonna do, 10 exercises I have to do it this time and that day when somebody might not have been working out for, we'll call it a year. While somebody could do that in the beginning when they're super motivated and they only see like a week in front of their face, because they're like, this, is the, this is the best thing. This is what everybody tells me I'm supposed to be able to do. They go off and they go for a week. They're super sore. They're strung out. Too much of a cal- caloric deficit. They hate the food they're having. They don't even enjoy it. They feel stressed out. They feel lack of motivation four days in. They're really upset. The results that they want is te- still seem so far off. Eventually people just throw their hands up and say, screw it, I'm too overwhelmed, I'm ghosting my goals, I do not care, bye. Then becomes a nice little shame guilt cycle and lo and behold, they're really upset. More often than not, they get so low, they get so dark, they go right back into that, well, that dark lonely place of crash diet cycling. I'm just using the health example right now because it's pretty easy for a lot of people to wrap their head around. Many of people are under are familiar with it. whether we listen to that or not, that's another story. Eventually you have to get so sick of that endless cycle of realizing, oh my God, every single I do the time I do this, I'm trying to do the cheap, fast, seemingly easy approach and not really wanting to slow down and take the effort to really get through things. they run the faces into a brick wall. So give me an example again today. Let's talk about my goals. Let's see how this changes when I thought about my goals. My goals at this place in my life, and I should, I'll should compare it to where I was beforehand, where I'm at now, all I really care about is being around some cool people, having a fun time, feeling good, moving a little bit, and looking better naked. That's it. And being able to go around my life happy. That's it. All I really care about. I do not care about outlifting anybody else in the gym. I do not care about trophies. I do not care about medals. I just wanna look good and feel good. And then have some fun with the people I'm around while I'm doing it. And mind you, I'm hyper, hyper sensitive to environment, hyper sensitive to environment, knowing what's going on in the space. I care a lot about the culture of different environments, places where I spend my money. I look very deeply into the people that run the organization because I care about their value structure. If I'm going to be there for a long time, I wanna know who I'm on the journey with. Do they think like I want to think? That's important because if I enjoy it and I we think similarly, it's gonna be very easy for me to show up and consistently do the thing. So again, coming back to today, knowing that, well, while I did not lift as much, and perhaps I could have, and could have done the workout faster, or could have done more intensity or whatever it was. Sure, could I have, at what cost? At what cost is the important part. I would have had high risk of re-injuring my back while I'm starting to feel a little better from a couple weeks ago, slowly but surely. Now, mind you, this has been a chronic thing. I'm saying all that crash diet approach from being somebody who has fallen victim to his own stubborn ways. So I scaled back knowing that now here I am at the end of my day, and this was at 5.30 in the morning. Here I am at the end of my day recording this. I feel pretty good. Still a little stiff, a little sore. I'm going to roll out a little bit, stretch a little bit, move a little bit, foam roll, have some more water, get a great night's sleep. And I know I'm going to be able to work out tomorrow, modifying, scaling back. And I'll be able to consistently do that four or five, six days this week maybe more. Who knows? I don't know, but I'll have the capacity to continue to show up. And I know if I continue to show up, I'll be back right where I wanted to be. I might not be hundred percent where I want right now, but I'm not all, I'm, it could be a hell of a lot worse. And I've been in much worse than this. So that perspective and that scope has been super powerful for me. I do not care about impressing anybody else in there. It doesn't matter. I'm just enjoying my time. This is a stark contrast from where I used to be. I used to care about being the fastest through a workout or lifting the heaviest weight or doing the most rounds and having to go quote unquote RX, whatever the hell that means. It was the numbers on the board. If I don't do that, I am a failure. I was locked up in my own dogmas thinking that I had to impress other people as opposed to realizing and taking a step back and I slowly started to pull myself away from that mindset and that culture over time of injury and pain, which those are some very deep blessings I've been bestowed with over time. But it was certainly just only seeking external validation. I was looking to stroke my own ego by quote unquote winning at that exercise. That's not to knock anybody who wants to win a, a game or a match and works and devotes themselves to putting in all the effort it takes to win in competitive endeavors. I'm competitive in certain things and I care very much about that and it's a great tool, but in this I just care more about continuing playing the game. It's not the the one thing that I'm going to choose to like, it's not the hill I'm going to die on. I just know that.
1: So that's what's super important here,
0: which leads to the what hill do I want to die on. That's another one. Let's examine the other places in life where this could be taking effect. So again, let's think about how I scaled that. Let's take, let's start there. How did I scale it? I took a movement, a movement concept, a squatting pattern, we'll call it that. As opposed to using that squatting pattern, I modified it, brought it back within the regression or progress. Like you can regress or progress. So progress would make it more challenging. You could add load. So you could do a lot of different things. Or regress is taking it back a little bit in terms of complexity, whether it's weight or however I did it. So I could do that. Without fear of pain. So I had increased confidence to be able to complete it successfully and safely and be able to walk away checking the box of having done my work for the day, which all that really mattered. So that's how I did. I modified the one concept. Where could we all squeeze play this? Wealth, wealth creation. And I primarily work with couples, high performance couples. And that, that typically means they are entrepreneurs because typically high performers don't like being told what to do. That's neither here nor there. I, I You know that I have a soft spot for the entrepreneur. So think about, let's think about the, the crash diet approach in the wealth creation space. A lot of people get caught up in this cycle, front-end cycle, sales and marketing. It's run rapid. And I've seen behind quite a few different businesses where they just get caught up. They can sell the lights out of something. Cash flow gets tight. They rack up a bunch of debt. Cash flow gets tight. What do they do? They go on a big sales kick. They burn themselves out. I'm also saying this from personal experience, go on a massive sales cycle. They pay a lot of attention, a lot of attention, primarily most of your attention to new prospective clients, people who have not necessarily proven that they're good clients because you're chasing external validation in
1: the form of quick cash. Now, why
0: is this a problem? Because as you take all your attention away, albeit I'm doing the thing, running a business, on the surface, you're running the the mechanics of business. Yes, you still need to do sales and marketing, but you did it at the cost of nurturing what you already have. If you lose what you already have, if you don't give the attention to the things you already have, it starts to die off. Think about a customer. If you don't feel paid attention to, why are you going to continue to give that organization your money? It's a great question. Probably won't. If there's enough relational capital, you've built up a lot of trust over time. That that piggy bank of relational capital, well, there's more, more to dip into. Now, what if instead you set a smaller goal in your sales and marketing? Something that, yes, you did a little more uptick. What if it was more creative? What if it also leveraged what you already had? What if it was internal marketing? Still marketing, still sales. What if you created a higher value item for the people that are already with you because you've listened? Same way, I listened to my body. I created a higher value offering, if you will. I changed the workout to something that was going to be of high value for me that day and tomorrow and the day after and the rest of the year because I didn't break my back and then couldn't work out for a long time. What if you create a higher value offering for the people you already serve so that they can be more successful longer? Perhaps it's more money up front. Perhaps it's... A referral program, perhaps it's a gift, whatever it is. Not only do you create an opportunity to bring in new cash flow, same way I had the opportunity to still give a new stimulus to my body and then create more stimulus tomorrow because I left space for it, but you also protected what you had. You made them feel even more special. The same way I made my body feel just as special. I felt taken care of today. I'm here feeling good about myself because I moved. I was productive and they could feel like they were a productive member of your community. That's thinking about a long-term business relationship. Where could we see this in relationships? I'm going to use the big one, the big event. We can talk about proposals and weddings. I'll use weddings. I'll use the marriage, the big day, which ultimately is just one big party. Uh, It probably comes as no surprise to people that there's a pretty powerful statistic out there that the higher the cost of the wedding, the higher the rate of divorce. Why might that be? A lot of people over leverage themselves to be able to afford one big party. Bunch of people get loaded. You have a bunch of people come there now and just like celebrate. Is it fun? Is it cool? I'm not saying it's not. Can it have a lot of value? Sure. At the end of the day, it's a lot of booze and a lot of bodies, but is there a lot of deep connections there? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. From somebody who's attended a few weddings, especially a couple of bigger weddings, half the time I see the bride and groom wandering around saying, you know, exchanging very surface level pleasantries at the, like a thousand people. I'm using a vague number, but we'll call it three to 500 people at a bigger wedding, maybe more, but there's not like a deep fulfillment. And a lot of times I've talked to them and be like, I wasn't even that happy on top of that. A lot of people will take out like a mortgage on this thing. They'll take out a massive loan just to pay for their wedding. Think about the stress that puts immediately on a brand new marriage. Now, I don't know about you, but marriage is hard. I don't care who you are. And I coach couples. It does not matter how awesome each of you are as individuals. You still are two unique human beings that are learning to coexist and are growing in different sometimes different directions and going through your own individual experiences and learning to build a life together. Now you're throwing a massive burden, financial burden on top of that. Now, if you already have the cash flow and you can do some of those things, cool. Like more power to you, you probably took care of some stuff beforehand. But one of the number one reasons, quote unquote, for a divorce is money, money issues, which is not about money. It's about it's a, that's a symbol of dis, like of disarray. It's a symbol of something else was awry money's energy. It's a concept. Now, obviously I'm a little bit biased being that I went this path, but my wife and I, my wife and I eloped, spent no money on a wedding. My wife bought her quote unquote wedding dress the morning of, took a half day of, of work. Then we went on, got married afterwards. I just wore this little romper. We got married at the courthouse. We went out to dinner with her folks and my folks. We both went to work the next day. We got married on a Wednesday. Few people showed up randomly. We didn't send out invite. nothing. I got like three texts and it was fine. But you know what I did tell her? I don't care about And I'm telling you, leading up to that, I was freaking out. I was worried personally about trying to throw some big party to make sure everybody felt included. But at the end of the day, the only thing that mattered was our relationship. And if I over leveraged myself at the same time, trying to build, run a business and always going through those headaches at those times, because I was still, I'm still always growing as a leader. And I've certainly had my massive amounts of failure. Of a dealing with financial strain on two different ends at the same time, both personally and professionally at the same time would have been ridiculous. It'd been too much. It's that, how do you get results? What did I care about? I wanted to be married to my now wife, but I couldn't blow blow up the rest of my life. At what cost was I willing to get married? Well, just to ask myself, what did I really care about? I started asking myself, where do I want to be 10 years from now with her? What I ask myself constantly, and this is the number one question that I would recommend everybody focus on at the end of the day, because this is where it's going to lead to what I would, what hill am I willing to die on? This is a hill I'm willing to die on. It's this question. This is the question that is the hill. And that question is, who is holding my hand on my deathbed? Not out of obligation, because I'm supposed to be there, but because they want to be there as I share my final breath because I meant that much to them. And you know what? I want that to be my wife. So when I ask myself those really hard questions and to say, we're going to go on this journey together, what do I need to be able to do to accomplish that? Well, right now for us to meet each other where we're at, we need to focus on what's the most important let's get married. Let's commit our love to each other. Let's exchange these rings. Let's say these vows. We'll do it in front of our parents, a couple of our family members, a couple friends were there too. Cool. Let's check that box. Cool. And you know what? The next day woke up and I felt exactly the same. Still loved her. Loved her a little more. But you know what I did? I do have as goals. I say, you know what? Let's throw a, let's throw a real party, like a big party for a 10-year reunion or a 10-year uh, renewal? Because to me, in my mind, it was like that's a symbol that we've continued to grow something together. What if as we grow as professionals in our life, because she was still just in you know, the first year or two of her career as a teacher, and, and a, not a year later, he, we were going through the pandemic and, then pivot, and I pivoted into this. Man, not leaning into ego at that time suited us very well. We didn't put ourselves in a position where our life could have completely blown up. The pandemic was tough for everybody and ourselves included, but during the pandemic, because we had, didn't have that other stress, what we did, what we fought about was growing our relationship. We fought about, and by fight, I mean like what we contested and we've had friction over was what are our core values as a, as a couple, where are we growing together? That was the question we had, not how do we get out of this thing?
1: So I'm sharing all this, and know there was a long pause there as I gathered my thoughts, I get a little fired up.
0: <sighs> Learning how to meet people where you're at they're at, whether you're coaching somebody else, coaching yourself or being coached, is understanding your confidence level. and it's also understanding yourself. That is what confidence is. is ask them the question Ask them the
1: question of my
0: wife or my fiance at the time you okay just getting a little you me let's go let's get it done yeah let's do it i'm in and mind you we'd built some trust doing some other stuff before and we've been in some dark places before together we've dealt with financial uh, unrest we've dealt with business walls. we've been we've dealt with a lot there's the confidence to say yeah this is the only thing that matters let's push all the other nonsense we got clear on what mattered we did not care about all the external validation we did not care about the egotistical fulfillment. We cared about the intrinsic value, that God feeling, that heart feeling, that intrinsic, I love you feeling for the long haul. Because when I said I do, I was going on a journey. It was a continuation. That piece of paper was a formality. So my challenge to those who are listening right now is to consider this. How are you approaching things? Are you actually meeting yourself where you're at? When I was losing that 40 pounds a couple of years ago, before and then during the initial phase of the pandemic, when I lost about the 40 pounds, maybe it was a little more or something. Yeah, like whatever. Naked Sunday is built on that premise of meeting myself where I was at. I'd sit there butt naked and deal with the discomfort. And face, what do I actually care about? Why Why am I worthy of love? Is it how I look with my clothes off? Well, apparently it wasn't. I still had these amazing, beautiful people in my life. My wife, my friends, these beautiful people who stuck around by me. Must be something different. Must not be those egotistical things that I thought were so important for so long because I needed to keep all my walls up. Might have been something else. That's the whole premise of Naked Sunday coaching. Whether it's health, business, your relationships,
1: that's what it's about. It's about
0: tapping into that process driven, which is fueled by an intrinsic motivation, that long term sustainable lifestyle shift into a place where you can live into live into an idea of fulfillment, not happiness. Happiness is that fleeting feeling and you'll experience happiness within fulfillment. But fulfillment often comes during the darkness to know you're not alone
1: because it exposes the truth in others. And it reminds you that those people are there with you. So again, my challenge to you is first analyze,
0: what are you being fueled by? Are you being fueled by the extrinsic egotistical motivators? Realistically, is it always driven by motivation?
1: It's not always about being motivated. To have true life, there's going to be days that you're not motivated.
0: I coach a lot of parents. When their kid's crying in the middle of the night, puking all over, but they might not have had a wink of sleep and hours maybe really hungry cranky had a rough day at work maybe their clients are just off the walls maybe the 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 uh, the bank accounts real low but when that kid's crying at 3 a.m and they're puking all over themselves and they're not motivated at all they get up they pick that beautiful little child up and they soothe it back to a place where they can just be okay. Because the intrinsic motivation, the intrinsic desire to show up for their child, to be a good parent, to be present for them, to be there.
1: That's what gets them up, not motivation. not some trophy,
0: not anything else. Those are cool. And mind you, you can get some of those things following an intrinsically driven path. And often the greatest always do. The greatest athletes, the greatest business leaders, the greatest leaders of movement, movements. Throughout history, they have all the accolades. Their names go get written down in the the lures of history books. You can achieve both. But the other way around, often you do not get that. I've yet to meet anybody who does because it's not sustainable. You do too much too fast. And too fast is a, it's an idea. A year might be too fast, depending on what the thing is. So check your motivators. And ask yourself, how are you asking yourself questions? How are you setting up your system? Are you just throwing everything all, all on at once? Are you st- looking to master one step at a time? Are you really listening to yourself and adjusting day to day based on where you're at? And here we are on the holidays. And like I said, I was talking to a client about this. I said first things first. And she's like, What should I be doing when it comes to marketing? Do I still need to be posting four times a week? I was like, what do you care about the most? I care about my family. I care about my kid. She's 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 a dancer. She's doing these dance competitions. I want to be there. And I found the six hours, this one night, to do this whole. Thing. I was like, well, there's your answer. So what can you do instead? And we talked about a strategy to put one really beautiful, family-driven story out once a week, but high quality. So she put out, she created one quality piece where you could see her. You could see that one, or just from distance, you could see through Zoom, you could see her shoulders drop three inches, a smile across her face, and the stress just dropped from her eyes. And this motivation, ironic word, right? Glisten in her eyeballs. You could see it over a video conference call. And the inspiration to talk about her beautiful child And her being present and just merely sharing that as part of her, we'll call it marketing, but part of her storytelling about her inspiration for why she even cares about this business in the first place, about helping other people to serve other people that are similar to her. She focused on the quality. She focused on what mattered first, but we got clear on the priority. Again, where were we coming from? Was it from an intrinsic or an extrinsic? Before his, I have to check the box on four marketing pieces of content. And don't get me wrong, at a certain point, she might be getting that during the holidays. And we talked about next year, where do we need to get to? Maybe this is a better goal for next year. But for right now, so that the business can keep going and she doesn't get through the holidays hating herself and wanting to just throw her hands up and walk away from her business altogether because it's too much, let's focus on doing the one. Let's scale back so that she can still show up at the thing she cares about the most, i.e. being a great mother, being present with her children, because she knows she's not gonna get that time back. And that, if there was anything else, she would regret not being present for. Not making one more product sale or uh, program sale was not gonna be what she cared about most. Sure, it would've been nice in the bank account for a week, then the money would be gone, spent on expenses or whatever. She would not get the time back watching her daughter dance and being present in that, in that, that uh, ceremony hall. It's getting clear on what you want and dialing it back based on you, where you're at today. Analyzing and assessing for stress. Ask, asking yourself hard questions. Like, Am I really capable? Of it? Am I really confident? And for anybody who's a coach who's listening right now, understand, like, how do you find that out? You just ask them, damn it.
1: People want to have a choice in the matter
0: because coaching is not about you. It's not about external validation, at least what I deem appropriate coaching, long-term success, because your goal ultimately done in this fashion is to even, is to ultimately remove yourself from the equation. So they no longer need you. Perhaps They'll go through all that change and never give you credit. And that's cool because it's not about their credit. It's about them getting the result. Yeah, you maybe you will get credit. Maybe you won't. doesn't matter. And they won't even feel like anything changed. They'll be like, I did it all by myself. And that's awesome. Because that's the intrinsic. I'm about the purpose of truly helping this human being. So instead of telling them what they have to do, Sure, you can share insight and stories and and have a vulnerable experience with them to give them context so they know where you're coming from and give ideas because maybe they're just lost. But at the end of the day, it's, hey, where do you feel confident starting? What do you, how much do you feel like you can do right now? Start there. Start the conversation because most people are trying to go from A to Z as opposed to go A to B. Most people can't do that. Very few, if any, can. And even if you can, should you? That's a hard question to ask because what if you miss something along the way? The thing will fall to that level. So if you miss something at N on A to Z, when the system can't support itself because the weak link is at N, it's going to Collapse back to that point and you're gonna have to start from there again. So you might as well take the time getting it right the first time. Scaling for life. This goes everywhere. Master children, ask your friends, ask your wife, ask your husband, ask yourself. When you're looking at those three pillars of life, your health, your wealth, your relationships, and your health can be physical, mental. Your relationships can be your friendships, it can be your marriage, your acquaintances, your business partnerships, your wealth, it's your business, it's your job, it's your wealth creation, your resources, your time, your time, your attention. Scale and modify because there is no perfect situation There is only the contextually appropriate solution. Let me say that again. There is no perfect situation. There's the contextually appropriate solution. And that's through becoming aware of yourself in the current moment, not where you were yesterday, not where you're going to be tomorrow. It's where you are now and preparing yourself for the future and hedging against the risk. Does that mean you sometimes need to let go of some stuff? Yes. Does it sometimes you need to accumulate stuff? Yes. But you have to consider where you're at right now and the system you currently have because you do not want to buckle under 500 pounds when you can only lift 100. You got to keep playing the game long enough to be able to achieve the long term goal. Everything I'm suggesting here is really hard. And notice if you started pontificating this in your own mind. If you started to search some of these thoughts? Probably realized, whoa, I got a lot to sort out. I'm doing way too much. I got to slow down. I got to slow way down. This feels really, really slow. I'm going to fall way back. No. Question becomes, am I willing to slow down to speed up in the long
1: term? because with the
0: wisdom and the knowledge that you have been bestowed through your experience, you realize that the current behaviors are a short-term fix. It's a band-aid. It will not solve the whole problem. And when you're thinking clearly, when you do slow it down, you'll go, yeah, that doesn't work. And when you go back into things, when you start looking to potentially add things because you're feeling good on the day, got to lean into your wisdom and say, I know where this comes from. I know where this tendency goes to. I know if I keep following this pattern where it leads, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not a month from now, maybe not even three months, but six months from now, this will be a problem. A year from now, this will be a problem. So I'm going to go slower right now and solve this problem. I'm going to put this issue. I'm going to shore up this part of the foundation of the house so that when I lay in the next layer of the foundation, it's gonna be sturdy, it's gonna hold true. It will be, wait wait for it, reliable. It's gonna be reliable. And over time, what we care about is people being reliable at showing up, doing what they said they were gonna do. And if you don't build the capacity By consistently day-to-day meeting others where they're at, meeting yourself where you're at, meeting your own capacity in the most existential sense at where it's at on the day-to-day because you're paying attention, you're becoming aware of what your behaviors are, and it's a never-ending process, you will become more reliable over time. And when you become more reliable, people can invest more in you because you're more trustworthy. And whether that represents itself in more showering of accolades or love or uh, money, because they're willing to invest because you make better decisions, it'll show up in that way. It's like compounding interest. It will start slow, but then it will snowball and you will become, I won't say unstoppable because you can destroy that as well but you'll become more resilient. You'll become more reliable. You have more resources to do more with what you will, and you'll be able to do with it those resources responsibly. You will be capable of managing that capital, relational and physical and financial. And ultimately, this all just one big spiritual growth on this planet. So takeaways. Again, this is your homework. Scaling for life, step one, assess where you're at, what's going on. And what I would start with in that is, what are you being driven by? How are you currently looking for validation? If you are taking this to heart right now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's probably externally driven. Ego has probably gotten in the way insecurities have probably gotten in the way. Maybe you're a people pleaser and always say yes to too many things. Maybe you don't have boundaries. That's another way of looking at this. But again, step one is get some awareness. Where are you at? How are you
1: behaving? What are you being driven by? Step two, where do you feel confident
0: starting? Where do you feel confident starting with the change as you will begin this snowball? Typically, we look for the one thing that's going to give us the greatest return. It's the fundamental, it's the core principle. It's where we think we're going to get our best bang for our buck. It's where you might have the most proficiency and most confidence. Step three, how much can you do? How much can you do? An example here, say it was drinking water. That's where you're going to start. You feel most confident and know that that's going to give you a great bang for your buck. How much can you do? Well, I can confidently drink three glasses of water a day. Not four, three on my worst day, and that'd be an important thing, confidently, meaning on your worst day, what can you show up and execute upon? Doesn't matter how good your intentions are, it's what you actually complete, because the work has to be done at the end of the day. Intention is that feminine energy, completion of task, execution is that masculine energy. They have to be in harmony. Both have to come through to achieve that flow state, to achieve ultimate completion and success. So again, step one, awareness. Where are you at? What are you being driven by? Understand yourself. Step two, where do you want to start? What is going to be your place of most confidence? Step three, how much? What's the dosage?
1: What's the dosage? Repeat that process every day. It's three steps are you going to mess up? Yeah.
0: Expect failure. That's okay. That's okay. So long as you continually check in and do that process, when you start to feel those warning signs come up, maybe you've gone a little too far. Cool. Just go back, go back to where you were most confident. Just start there again. And eventually your confidence level will be at four glasses of water and you'll start there. And then in one day you will be, and I'm using a theoretical example, but That's where you start. And that's why these pro athletes or whomever, it seems like they can, they like their starting point is always so much higher. It's because they built a base below it. Somebody's been lifting for 20 years. Yeah, they can go back into the gym and it looks like they just could get right back under 135 pound bench. No problem. It was like they're breathing. Yeah, because they had a base underneath that they could safely accommodate that. So long as they didn't have cataclysmic failure and not work out for 10 years to completely let that thing erode. That's the way we look at it. So, you got your three steps awareness, step one. Step two, what are you starting with? Where are you starting with it? Because what do you feel most confident with? And step three, how much? And then set a time to reassess. I'd suggest every day, especially in the beginning. That's how you scale for life. That's how you meet people where they're at
1: without blowing your life up. If you want to lose, better,
0: lose weight, look better naked, got to do that. You want more money in the bank account so you can do cool things and travel the world and not be worried? Never be financially stressed? Do that. You want to have the marriage of a lifetime where they still want to hold your hand on your deathbed as much as it hurts them. They want to be there.
1: You'll do that. Hope you found some value
0: in today's episode. I'd love to hear your comments, but please, by all means, never hesitate to reach out, post in the comments on the posts or email or anything. Like I said, I hope you found some deep value in this. Please share your, your greatest takeaways from this. Share how you're applying this in your life so others may learn. I don't have all the answers. I'm only me. I've only lived my life. I don't know all the possible applications in or experiences in this life. Share. So somebody else who might be in a similar spot as you, who's lived a similar type of life, lifestyle, maybe similar experiences, it will contextually meet them where they're at. That way we can all grow together. We can all build a better world together. It's not about what we keep for ourselves. It's about what we give to others. So on that note, hopefully this came as a gift for you. And hopefully you give yourself a little bit of, showed yourself a little bit of grace during just listening to this, knowing that one, you're still alive. So you haven't failed ultimately. Still got a chance to change. Move in the direction of your goals. Maybe a little slower than you anticipated, but it's okay. It's more that you know that you're in progress, you're in motion. Above all, I hope you find yourself with love, happiness, and support in your life. If you never, if you need some more support, never hesitate to reach out. That's all I got for right now, my my friends, beautiful humans that are still listening at this moment. And next, until next time. My little reminder to you, love
1: every body.